Well, good morning. Come on out. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? You got to make a little bit of noise. Good to see you guys. Man, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. We are one church in three locations. We have a campus in Grayson and Ashland. So, guys, thank you so much for worshiping with us in person today. And if you know anyone in this region who's looking for a place to worship in Ashland or Grayson or here in Moorhead, we'd love for you to come and hang out with us. Now, we're in this series called Walk This Way. What does it truly look like to follow after Jesus? And so if you have your Bibles, we're just going to jump right into this. Go with me to Luke chapter 14. I'm using the New Living Translation, so if you have your app or your Bible app, you want to follow along with me, can. So we're going to look at Luke 14, and this is part two of the series here, and then we're going to go to Luke 9, so just in case you want to find that too as well, that's pretty easy to get to. And so what we talked about last week a little bit is that every time Jesus went places, there was a crowd. And we talked about who was in the crowd. Sometimes there are really genuine seekers in the crowd. A lot of times there's people just curious. There's people looking for uh, answers. There, there are skeptics. There are fake people. We talked about that too. Like the Bible tells us that there's counterfeit Christians. There are fake people as well. And then there's the true committed people. And all these people follow Jesus for different reasons, maybe for benefits, because, hey, if you're sick, he will heal you. If you're hungry, boy, will feed you, right? And so it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is always there for you. And so knowing that, last week we talked about Jesus makes one of the most shocking statements in the Bible. Like, we should do a series called The Shocking Statements of Jesus. I mean, there's so many of them, but this may be one of the most shocking statements that Jesus made, especially if we go back and we are Jewish in the first century, the statement Jesus made is utterly like unbelievable in the context of that day. And in Luke chapter 14, Jesus says in verse 25, a large crowd, well first Luke writes about Jesus, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, so this is a massive crowd, way more people than we have in any of our campuses today, massive crowd, all excited, what's going on with this thing about Jesus, following after Jesus, and he turns around and he says this, verse 26, if you, let me just stop right there, let me just stop right there, if is a condition, which means you have a choice, Every single person here today watching online at one of our campus or here in person, and I'm so glad you're here, you have a choice to make. Jesus says, if you, you is plural, which means every single one of you, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter your skeptic, no matter your questions, no matter your background, no matter how sinful you have been in your entire life. He turns around, if you're doubting, if you're skeptic, or if you're fake, or if you're truly committed and following, he turns to every single one of us and he says, if you. So here's, the, here's what we know. It's the condition and everyone's invited. There is no excuse, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what trauma you've gone through, no matter the circumstance, the sins you've committed, every single one is invited to this discipleship process. And here's what he says. If you want to be my disciple, let's just stop there. Most of us, if we call ourselves Christians, we would say we want to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to be a follower of Jesus. I'll talk more about that as, as we go, right? We would say that. That would be what was in us to say. He says, if you want to be my disciple, then here it goes. This is what we talked about last week. Then you, and the New Living Translation, go ahead and interprets this. By comparison, hate everyone else. You got to hate your mom, your dad, your wife, your children, your brother, your sister. And yes, you got to even hate your own life. Or you cannot be my disciple. And everyone is going, really? 
when the Ten Commandments is to honor your mother and your father, and now Jesus says he's the Messiah, the Son of Man, and he tells us we have to hate our family? When family is, is, is esteemed at the highest honor in this society. Now, what does he mean? Well, the New Living Translation, kind of go ahead and interpret that on our own because your translation may say, hate your mother, your father, and brother and sister. And here's what Jesus is saying. When it comes to your love and affection for me, you should love me so completely that in comparison, it would look as if you hated your family. That you will love me more. In fact, Matthew writes about that you will love God more than you love your family. That I demand complete, supreme love, completely love, that you will love me with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. If you wanna be my disciple, you must love me above everything else in the world, including yourself. And the greatest person you love is yourself. Some of you say, I don't like myself. And you have a low self-esteem. That's rooted in another dark side of pride, but you still think about yourself because you love yourself. The greatest person you love more than is yourself. And Jesus said, wait, wait, you have to love me more than you love yourself. What? Like, man, I, <laughs> I don't know if I signed up for this. Well, that's why he's weeding out the crowd. So some many people want to come with excitement. Some many people say, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, or hey, you know what, or, or these things. And, but the reality is, are you truly following Jesus. He goes on and says in verse 27, and this is where we're gonna focus on. This is the, the, the passage we're gonna look at. He says, and if you do not, so here we go again. Another condition, speaking to everyone, carry your own cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. Three times in the passage we're gonna look at in the next couple weeks, he says, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me supremely. And now he says, you cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and follow after me. What does that mean? Now, if you've been in church before, I know you've heard sermons on this. I've preached sermons on this before. Everyone has an idea of what does it mean to carry your cross? What does it mean to like, carry your cross? And don't miss the text, Luke says your own cross. What does it mean to carry your cross? Sometimes you'll bump into people and they'll say things like, hey, how's life going? They're like, man, things at work, is this so tough right now? It's just, it's just my cross I've gotta bear. Or you meet someone and say, how's it going? Well, you know, I got a family member, they're ill right now, or I'm ill, I've, I've got a sickness going on right now in my life, and it's just a cross that I have to bear. And they see the cross as a burden or they see the cross as circumstances in your life. That is not what the cross means. When you're going through trials in your life, it's not that you're carrying a cross. As we think it's circumstantial. The cross represents death. It represents execution. It represents when you're sitting there and you're in the first century and you're a Jew and Jesus says, take up your cross, you automatically knew because you're under the authority of Rome who perfected the crucifixion. They didn't invent it, but they perfected it. You knew that means death. You knew that was for a criminal. You knew that was a one-way street straight to dying because there's no turning back. And when he said pick up your cross, the picture of that would be the I-beam of the cross, that you, not the whole cross, he didn't carry the whole cross, he couldn't do that. But the I-beam to the cross, you're to pick it up, put it on your shoulder, and carry it to your execution. Y'all wanna follow me? See, we, we, we kind of water it down or dumb it down as the two burdens or I'm suffering. Someone says something bad about me on Facebook, I have to bear my cross. Like, you know, 
And Jesus says, no, no, the cross represents death, which means this, what is he saying? What is he saying? Because most of us, at least not yet, in the United States, are not gonna die for our faith. My wife told me yesterday that North Korea has been debunked now as the worst place for any Christian to be, the most dangerous place for a Christian to live today is in Afghanistan. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ walking around today sharing the gospel in Afghanistan who doesn't count their life as their own just so that the gospel can be made known in that area. Like we, we have not even come yet to be persecuted as what will come to those who truly follow after Jesus. And it will come. And Jesus knows that. So he said, you wanna be comfortable or are you truly gonna follow after me? Because if you're truly gonna have to follow after me, you are gonna have to die, die to what? You are gonna have to die to yourself every single day of your life. What does that look like? That means this, you're gonna have to die to your plans, die to your dreams, die to your hopes, die to your agenda every single day of your life. And most of us, that's so hard for us because we want what we want, when we want, how we want it. It's all about me and my comfort. It's about me and what I want. It's about me and my agenda. It's all about me. And Jesus says, if you wanna follow me, it has to all be about me, not you. So you have to die to yourself every single day and it will be a daily process because your flesh is gonna rear its ugly head every single day because it's all about you. Are you willing to die to yourself? I love what Paul writes in Galatians 2.20. Here's a beautiful picture. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, I no longer, it's I who live for me. Look, it says, but Christ now lives in me. I've been crucified, I've died on the cross, I've died to myself, and here's what happens. So I live in this earthly body, and look what he does, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm gonna have to trust him every single day, but I'm here to tell you what, I'm here to tell you. If you will die to yourself, die to your plans, die to your dreams, die to your hopes, your personal agenda, guess what happens when you die? It says you'll be raised with Christ. That means this, he will resurrect your dreams, resurrect your plans, resurrect your hopes, and his ways are greater than your ways, and his dreams are better than your dreams. He said, I've come to give you abundant life, exceedingly more greater than you could ever think in your entire life. So if you'll die to yourself, I have a greater life for you to live if you'll trust me. But we have a problem with that because it takes faith. He's not saying follow me with your feet, he says follow me with your faith. It takes faith to follow Jesus and say, okay, I trust you. I'll, I'll, I'll marry who you want me to marry. I'll date who you want me to date. I'll, I'll major in what you want me to major in. I'll build when you want me to build. I'll buy when you want me to buy. I'll move when you want me to move. I'll take whatever job you want just because it gets paid more. Isn't it amazing that we think it's God's will because it always has more money attached to it? God must be in this one, man. Ten more thousand a year. Maybe not. You see, that's dying to ourselves every single day. And somebody's like, man, I don't know if I signed up for this. That's why you gotta read the fine print. That's why you gotta understand, am I truly following after Jesus? A beautiful picture of this is found in Luke chapter 19. If you, I'm sorry, Luke 9, if you'll flip back, because Jesus already made this statement earlier in Luke chapter 9. And I think in Luke 9, we see a, a a beautiful picture of this kind of played out, how you can practically live this out today. In Luke chapter nine, verse 22, 
Jesus says this, the son of man, which is making reference to himself, now listen to this, must suffer terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed and on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now watch what Jesus says. He says, I will suffer, I'll be rejected, and I will be killed. You wanna follow me? Because if you follow me, you will suffer, you will be rejected, and you may lose your life. Do you wanna follow me? Well, man, what all about this like better life stuff, man? I mean, like if I give my life to Jesus, I have no more acne, I lose weight instantly. I mean, I've got a big bank account. Like, what is this, man? Wait, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. And Jesus is like, that's why I want you to count the cost. Because it's so easy to walk around in our country today and say I'm a Christian. The problem is you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. You can't tell the difference between the two. Because we try to so much be like the world and, and end with the world and act like the world because we don't, want it, we're, we're, we don't have the courage to stand on what we know is true. Why? Because we don't wanna suffer and we don't wanna be rejected and we don't want people not to like us and we don't wanna be that person, right? And Jesus said, wait a second, wait a second. Do you know what happened to me? They will hate you because they hated me. So do you truly wanna follow Jesus? Do you truly want to be his disciple? And then in verse 23, Luke 9, 23, look, then he said to the crowd, there's always a crowd following after Jesus. If any of you wants to be my follower, if you wanna be my disciple, my pupil, my learner, my Talmudin in Hebrew, if you wanna be my disciple, you must give up your own way, which literally says in your translation, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross every single day. You gotta die to yourself every single day and follow me. What is he saying? Every single day of your life when you get up, you say, God, thank you for giving me breath. Today's not my day, it's your day. Everything I have is yours. My job is yours, my family is yours, my wife is yours, my car is yours, my house is yours, everything. All my assets is yours, my bank account, everything I have is yours. My education is yours, my degrees are yours. Everything I have, I would not have without you. So God, as I go about my life today at school or in the locker room, at, at my job, as an electrician, as a pipe fitter, as a stay-at-home mom, as a teacher, as a banker, you, whatever, as a nurse, whatever you are, as I go about my day, I pray it would all live for you and for your glory. Show me where you're working and send me there and use me today for your glory. You see the difference? I'm gonna die to myself every single day that I live, that I have breath. It's not for me. It's for him. And he says, if you will do that, the life that I have planned for you is unbelievable if you trust me, if you'll come after me. And so we see this. In Luke chapter nine, he just makes this statement, but if you'll skip down to verse 57, this practically just happens right in front of our face. I love, you know, Luke is a doctor, by the way. He's a, he's a Gentile. He's a doctor, and he writes very specific, and he chronologically puts in order the life of Jesus that we see here. So Luke actually writes this out in chronological order, and we see this beautiful picture of Jesus. If you wanna follow me, you gotta deny yourself, take your cross up every day, which means die to yourself every single day, your flesh, your desires, your dreams, your hopes. Trust me with that. Your relationship, trust me with that, just trust me with that, and follow me, just come after me, pursue me, and I will take care of your kingdom. And we see this story, I know Jesus knows all things and he knew, had to know that this was coming in place, because in verse 57 we see this practically living out. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, now this person comes on their own initiative, I will follow you wherever you go, name it. Jesus is there, count on me, I'm gonna be there. 
And then Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his own head. Like, you want to follow after me? Bro, listen, you don't understand. I'm like airbnb to every town I go to. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't even know whose house I'm staying in next. Like, I don't even own my own house. I don't even own a pillow. I don't even own a sleeping bag. Like, you think following me is all about comfort. You think if you come after me, everything's going to be nice and everything's going to be good and everything's going to be in order and everything's going to be great. You're going to have no stress in your life. Like, you think that if you come after me, everything's going to be great. But it's not about your comfort. You want to be comfortable. In fact, I love you. You want to write it down. Following Jesus isn't about my comfort. It's about his commission. And he has commissioned us to go and make disciples of every ethnic group, every people group on the planet. Your mission is to make disciples that make disciples, no matter what your job is, no matter what your paycheck is. That is your mission. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the staff. It's not just for those who you think are holier than you. Every single person who gives their life to Jesus and follows Jesus is commanded to make followers of Jesus. Every one of us. And he says, this is not about your comfort. It's about my commission in your life. You think if you follow me, you'll have security. You think if you follow me, you'll have no stress. You think if you follow me, life will be predictable. In fact, it won't. I don't even know where I'm going next to next, from place to place. So it's not about your comfort. It's about my plan and my commission, the great commission to save a lost and dying world. You wanna be part of that? Is that what you signed up for? You better count the cost. You better read the fine print. If you truly wanna call yourself a Christian and follow after me, it's not about just checking a card. It's about truly following after Jesus. Are you completely surrendering every single thing to him? And then in verse 59, the first person came up and said, I will follow you, but then Jesus actually initiates a call to someone, an invitation. Now you gotta understand, let's put ourselves back in the first century. Jesus is a rabbi. A rabbi calls disciples to themselves. The rabbi gets to pick whose disciples are. That's why he went and picked out 12 disciples, which is very odd because the rabbi would only pick one disciple. Jesus picked 12. And so he's, he's a rabbi. They see him as a rabbi. It's, it's, a, it's a dream to follow a rabbi. So now Jesus makes an invitation to an individual and he points him out in the crowd. Hey, you, 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 you yeah, back there, back there. Come on, you follow me. You get to come after me. You follow me. And look what happens. The man agreed. Absolutely, signed the connection card, filled it all out, put me in the database, count on me. Let me go through the life track. Let me do whatever it takes. I agree. I definitely want to be a follower of Jesus. But he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury the spiritually dead. Your duty is to go and preach the kingdom of God. I've preached on this passage several times. I don't need to unpack it really what's taking place in this. I want to focus on these two words, Lord, first. We do this all the time. This is an oxymoron. You can't say, Lord, first, let me. Either he's Lord or he's not. Lord, but first let me go do this. Lord, not right now, I have something else to do. This is the person who has divided attention. This is the person who has partial commitment. This is the person who has delayed obedience. And listen to me. I teach my kids this all the time. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. 
If Jesus asks you to do something and you say, I don't have time, I don't, I, I, my attention's divided, I, I got too much going on, I mean, there's no way I could do that. I can't bless them or I can't serve or I can't do that. I don't have time to be part of that. Thank you. I mean, I really want to follow Jesus. I got great intentions. I agree to do this, but I just, it's just not time. I mean, come on, I got four kids right now. I can't be in everything. I've got to take them everywhere. And, and I, 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 I just don't really, man, life's just busy. And we hide behind the, this badge of busyness. As, as we think it's a badge of honor, how's life? Man, just busy, dog, just busy, man, life's busy. Like, is that a good thing, right, in your life? And we hide behind that. But we use that as an excuse, which means I really don't wanna do anything that, unless I wanna do it at my time when I wanna do it because it's all about me. Lord first, Lord first, which means leads me to my second point I wanna make. Following Jesus is about my wants, it's about his will. And our wants will keep us from obeying Jesus immediately. I want what I want when I want it. Jesus asked us to do something, but babe, I want, I want to do something else. I want to go to another place. Well, I want another job. I want another spouse. I want another relationship. I, I, I want something else. And we think it's all about our wants. Well, God wants me to be happy, right? So if God wants me to be happy, then I should do whatever I want to do to be happy. Show me that one in the Bible. And so what I'm trying to get to, point today, not just you, to myself, is do we truly wanna follow Jesus or we just wanna tell people we're Christian? You tell people you're Christian left and right, they don't really mean anything anymore to anybody. Okay, they may look at you funny now. But are you truly following Jesus? And listen, can anybody in your life notice that you follow Jesus? Can, if I went into your workplace right now and asked them about, hey, tell me a little about Sarah. Tell me a little about John. Tell me a little bit about them. Can they say, oh, man, listen, man, let me tell you, they love Jesus. Man, they talk about Jesus. They follow after Jesus. Can anybody see that in your life? People you play ball with. People you hang out with. Young people, the people in your locker room, in your classroom. I just don't wanna be picked out on, I don't wanna be like, like that person. What do you mean? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you will suffer and you will be rejected, but you will be rewarded, trust me. You see, I just don't think we've counted the cost. I think we wanna have this mindset of, you know, everything's gonna be okay and, and let's just play church, but we don't wanna be the church. Or someone said, my wife was telling me this story, but someone said, I'm as tired of the church, I'm as leaving the church. And the guy looked at him and said, that's impossible. You can't leave the church, you're part of the church. The church is not a building, the church is the people. You can't leave church, you can't leave the faith, you can't leave the family of God if you're truly saved. What do you mean you're gonna leave? Well, they just don't sing my song. Someone sat in my seat. They don't have Sunday school. You see what I'm saying? It's about my wants. It's like, no, it's about his will. His will for your life. And his plans and will for your life is greater than any dream you can imagine. Anything you can set and dream up for your life and, and everything you can do and everything you can become. It's greater than anything you can imagine. The problem is we don't trust him with that. That's why we make our own plans and we do our own things. Verse 61, and then another guy came up and said, Lord, I will follow you but first. There it is again. 
But first, let me say goodbye to my family. That's not a bad request. Again, I've unpacked all that before, the context of that and what's going on in this place. Let me say goodbye to my family. But then Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And if you were sitting there in the first century, and we're not sitting here as Jews in the first century, we would immediately went back to 1 Kings chapter 19. Of course, they didn't have chapters and verses back then. They just had scrolls rolled out. You would have known the story of Elijah and Elijah. And Elijah runs after Elijah because he takes his plow and leaves the plow and he follows and does whatever God wants him to do. You would have had that picture because you would have been told that story as a little boy and little girl before you went to bed at night about Elisha and Elijah and how awesome and God used the men and prophets for his glory. Which leads to my third and final point, following Jesus isn't about what's behind me, it's about what's ahead of me. And one of the biggest things that will keep you from following Jesus is what's behind you. Your regrets, your guilt, your shame. I'm not good enough, God can never use me, does he truly love me? He doesn't know what I've done, what I've said, what I've tried. He don't know the abuse that's happened to me. No one knows the skeletons in my closet. And what happens is you focus on your past and you miss following Jesus today. And Jesus says, listen, if you wanna follow after me, it's not what's behind you. You gotta leave it behind. Can you change it? No. Can you fix it? No. Today's a new day. That's what I love about this place. That's what I love about our gathering and our church is this, at this local family, is that, listen, no matter who you are, guess what happens today? Today you get a do-over. Today you get to start over. I've been playing golf a little bit. You get a mulligan. I get lots of those. Because it's not what was behind you. It's about what's ahead of you. And I will tell you this, if you will count the cost, and read the fine print of what it truly means to follow Jesus and come after him, he will take you on a journey. Yes, you will suffer. Yes, you'll be misunderstood. Yes, you'll be rejected. Yes, your plans may not go the things that you planned out. But I'll tell you what, it will be the most rewarding, most fulfilling life you can ever live. If you trust him, if you'll surrender to him, if you'll keep focusing on him and his kingdom, Let's go back, Luke 14, 27. It says, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, he makes that statement, you cannot be my disciple. And I think it's only fair to define disciple. Here's how I see disciple. A disciple is someone who has surrendered their entire life to Christ. Everything. Everything. I'm not gonna compartmentalize any area of my life. You have it all. You have my family, you have my job, you have my career, you have my education, you have my relationships, you have my finances. I'm not gonna keep anything. Everything I have, my entire life is completely surrendered to you. The disciple of someone has surrendered their entire life to Christ and then lives in obedience to his word. Jesus says, here's how you know if you love me. You obey me. You obey me. And so today, you, you, have a, you, you have a chance to make a personal commitment. Doesn't matter who you are in the crowd. Doesn't matter where you've come from. No matter what campus you're attending. You have a choice to make a personal commitment today. If you will surrender and follow Jesus, he says, then you're worthy to be my disciple. And here's the reality. Today, you must decide that choice. Two, if you do, you must repent of your sin. 
If you wanted to be the king of your life, that you want to sit on the throne of your life and you've made it all about you and your purpose and your plan, your hope, you need to repent of that. And then you need to trust him with your life. Then you need to fully obey his command. Whatever he commissions you or calls you to do with all of your heart unconditionally. And then guess what? You'll turn around and you realize, I'm following Jesus. I'm walking after Jesus. I'm living according to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, you will live a real life, a more life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. disclosure, I've been in this passage all summer and it's been whipping my tail. I've been in this study and like, have I fully surrendered everything? Am I truly fallen in all areas of my life after Jesus? And so I wanted to say that to you because I, I don't want you to think I'm preaching at you. If you think, oh my gosh, he's speaking right to me. Oh my goodness, he's reading my mail. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit opening your heart and your eyes to show you areas of your life that you need to completely surrender to Him. And as Jesus says, today you have a choice. Are you gonna follow Him and truly surrender or continue to walk in your way? Now listen, some of you here, you're just checking this God thing out. You're in the crowd, you're like, man, I don't know, man. Somebody told me to come and I just came and I'm just, you know, I don't even know yet what I believe. Listen, you keep coming. You keep searching. You keep seeking. But if the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart today, you need to respond. Because the greatest thing you could ever do is give your life to Jesus. And where you're sitting right now at any of our campus, you could do that. You could say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me just like you said. And I believe you got up out of the grave just for me. And today, as best as I know how, I completely surrender my life to you. Forgive me of all my sin and help me follow you all the days of my life. Now listen, if that is you and you cried out to the Lord and he's done some work in your heart this morning, we wanna help you. It's what a family does. Our mission is to help you follow Jesus. That's our mission. We wanna help you become a disciple of Jesus. What does that even look like? We're building a process and a plan to help every single person who wants to be part of this local family of faith become a true follower, disciple of Jesus that turns around and learns how to disciple people for Jesus and because that is the mission of the church. And we're here to help you in any way we can. Father, thank you so much for your word, even when it's tough even when it pricks our heart, even when we have to make changes in our life, in our agenda, in our plans, in our thoughts, in our behavior. But we know it's worth it. As we continue through this series, I pray we continue to count the cost 
of what it truly means to come after you, to follow you, not just to be in the crowd, but to step out of the crowd and follow you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and we pray. Amen.